Oh, my question was, are you near Phoenix? You said yes, right? Yes. <laughs> I have just the attention span of a squirrel. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Rough Around the Hedges podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Kaylin. And I'm Christine. And today, we are very excited to welcome our very, very first honor guest. And it is not dude, Adam, our friend Adam. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. <laughs> and we are going to be discussing Hoyas because Not Dude, I'm just going to stop referring to you as Not Dude right now because that's, I'm going to call you Adam, even though I'm Adam and it's already confusing because Adam <laughs> is a fantastic, fantastic, um, like just insight into the world of Hoyas. I want to ask you like how many different varieties do you think you've grown? Um, like that I've grown or that I currently have. I want to know Probably. like how much, how many you've had experience growing. Mm, I mean, just based on the number that I currently have, I feel like it would probably be close to like 200. Wow. And I think I about have like 150 to 160 now. Wow. And there's what, a thousand Hoyos? 2,000 Hoyos? Oh yeah. 10,000 like Hoyos? That. Yeah. You got a long you You're a tenth of the way there. Do you know how <laughs> large the genus is currently? You know... I don't for sure because it just seems like they just keep finding more and more and, you know, there's a lot of deforestation happening in areas where they're just like really trying to go find Hoya before they get wiped out. So it's just changing fast. They throw a new country name on it and that's a new plant. Yeah, that's really sad. I mean, I, I did listen to the episode that you recorded recent, like that you released recently on um, your Let's Talk Hoya podcast about Borneo, I want to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of enlightening, but um, just to kind of hear about how threatened, and it, it kind of really resonated with me because I just did a trip to the Peruvian Amazon where they're mm-hmm. really, I mean, the same exact kind of pressures are going on there, like in terms of deforestation and stuff. Um, right. So, but that was, yeah, that was a really interesting episode, but I want to say I've read that there are between four and I think there was like 500 recognized species of Hoya. But of course, you, like you said, they're constantly identifying more. So if you've grown and then subspecies and cultivars and all of that. Right. So if you've grown around 200 plus different varieties, you, you've got a pretty good, um, start on the, the majority of the genus yeah which is crazy if it feels like it sometimes especially on watering day i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) how long have you been collecting hoyas for i think i got my first hoya which came from a family member in like uh 2018 2019 uh but i didn't fully like move my collection it didn't really morph into solely hoyas until like i moved to arizona which was in mid 2019 and now are you solely hoyas well i do have quite a few i have a couple aeroids they don't really have my heart but like except for my thai constellation that i love that plant and it's huge and now i'm like what am i going to do with it but yeah for the most part it's it's hoya i would say like 90 percent, 95 percent hoya what substrate are you growing in them in um, you know, I'm, they're all in pond. I mean, there's a few that are in soil, but the ones in soil, I'm kind of like not wanting around or I take a cutting and start a new plant in pond. But yeah, I was all LECA. 
um, Adam, your Adam and me did like a Instagram live, my first ever Instagram live. I attended during the pandemic. Yeah, that was been a minute since we actually talked. So, but that was an awesome experience, and I feel like we covered a lot of ground with Lekka. And I was just about to mention that last time we spoke like this, you were we were like both full on full tilt, like going headfirst into Lekka. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so it's really interesting for me to hear now that you are like almost a hundred percent moving into pawn. And Adam's putting everything right. in soil over here. Yeah, and I'm in the meantime, like I'm moving a lot of things back to soil. Yeah, see, I kind of, I was like a pawn denier for a while because I was like, no, nothing's gonna move me away from Lekka. And then I kind of tried it, and now, I, and then I fell in love with it. See, I'm looking at and Christine now, over here. I'm, I'm still a pawn. Like I'm still a pawn denier. Do you treat your pawn like Lekka, or do you treat it like soil? Uh, I treat it like Lekka, so I use a wicking cord and all of that stuff and um, just some things that I figured out as as the years have gone by that help. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really do love it because it's just, you know, especially for the Hoya, it's a little more compact and, and they stay a little more secure in there. I definitely like your approach with the wicking cord because I think one of the issues that's pushing me away from Lekka is the fact that I tend to get over, like, if I'm trying to grow, like, a specimen-sized plant and keep, or, like, a big mother plant, over a long period of time, especially if it gets root-bound, I'll get root rot if the water levels are too Mm -hmm. high too often, and so, and it just, like, becomes really gross, and there'll be a certain point where I'll just go to flush and it will smell, like, Mm -hmm. nasty, rotted Yeah. That yeah. just reminded me that I have a plant that's rotting and I need to go oh, look yeah. at it. I've been able to avoid that situation by doing a wicking setup with Lekka. I have a couple Hoyas in it that set it and forget it. Right. I think that, I don't know, Adam, are you, when you're talking about mother plants, do you kind of mean like the Hoya or are you thinking about aeroids? Because like I realized very quickly that aeroids and Lekka or aeroids and hydro environments were not, it was not my jam. Like that was just too much. I guess I've had that experience with both, with both, okay. you know, plants in the Hoya family or Hoya genus and in Philodendron and Monstera. It's just, it happens kind of when I'm not expecting it. Or sometimes mm-hmm. if I'm moving plants from outside in the summer to like inside in the grow tent where it's really humid all the time, like after doing that transition once or twice, the plants are more susceptible. They seem more susceptible to rot so that's been pushing me towards i've just been going back into soil because i've been finding it like more uh, easier to manage but also more universal if i'm trading or Mm -hmm. selling with selling plants then it's like oh people kind of can just jump right in and start growing it if it's in soil yeah yeah but um but we kind of are getting ahead of ourselves a little bit i think right right so i think one thing we wanted to start by just discussing or like asking you is this this Hoya craze that's been kind of taking over, I really feel like it is. Like they're becoming really popular, and we're seeing more and more collectors that are just really moving in and just getting all kinds of these different varieties. So, why do you think they're so appealing to people? Why do you think they're like gaining popularity among collectors? And why do you like them? Oh boy. Well, I think that maybe. Uh, uh, maybe a reason they're they're so becoming so popular, or f- seemingly like the popularity has rose in the fa- past few years, 
is because they're really easy to share, in my opinion. So maybe just getting them into more people's hands and then people kind of like being like, oh, there's all these different kinds that I can find. Kind of like Pokemon, got to collect them all kind of thought. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like them mostly because you can buy a one node cutting and grow it into a huge plant in six you know, six months. Mm. I mean, probably less than that, but like they're just, and they're so unique. Um, like across the genus, there's just so many different types of Hoya, you know, thin leaved, you got big leaves, like tiny leaves. I don't know. I was going to say for me, I like that they stay pretty small, all things considered. Like if you throw it on a circle trellis, that thing will just stay 12 circle. inches. Size of the circle. Yeah. Forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's dual purpose because like it's one of the few plants that both the leaves and the flowers are pretty because um, you can get, you know, really, really gorgeous leaves on your Hoyas. And then also like a Clistophylla, gorgeous, gorgeous leaves, also gorgeous, gorgeous flowers like alocasia yeah. flowers are ugly. Philodendron flowers aren't that pretty. They're better than alocasia flowers. Though. Yes, but I think that's a big draw, too. Totally. I think that just adds a whole nother dimension because... So many people come into the greenhouse where I work and they they don't know a lot about house plants and they are like, I want something flowering. And I'm like, well, you could do a peace lily or you could try like one of our carnosa varieties mm-hmm. or something like this. And it's sort of like a it's a an investment because once that thing matures, if you've if you've taken care of it, you should start seeing some pretty consistent blooms throughout the year. I feel like blooms yeah. are a status symbol. I got my Hoya to bloom. <laughs> yeah and uh i just think that they're a little less time consuming in my opinion than than uh, some of our other tropicals that we would use so maybe that's an appeal too totally and you can kind of just let them grow wild and then i liked what you said about their shareability like Mm -hmm. they are they're so it's it's so fun to and satisfying to propagate them. And there's so many different ways to propagate them, which I want to get into later. Um, but I also, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you guys, because I feel like I should know the answer to this question, but we call them, I mean, the common name is wax plants. And I don't know, do we do we call them wax plants because their blooms look like wax or because their leaves are waxy? Or is it because of the milk they secrete, like milkweed? I don't know. I'm throwing it out there as an I, option. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was based on, the foliage but if you if you think back to like when the hoya genus was introduced the type specimen for the genus is the carnosa so that's going to be the thing that is rated so you look at a carnosa to see if it falls in the hoya family if it does it look like this carnosa or does it have the same growing pattern to flower and the carnosa does have a very waxy leaf and mm-hmm. i think that's where it came from Okay, but as we've grown the genus, and I'll you see all these different types of Hoya that genetically fit into the Hoya genus. Like they're so different. There's like fuzzy leaves and all of this stuff. But I believe it was the foliage and in its wax-like appearance. Sure. Do you currently have a favorite species or variety that you're growing? You know, I was I was a Lacanosa boy because. Um, I like was getting tons of Lacanosa within the last year and I I do love them still. But I've kind of been on a Pandorata kick lately, a Hoya Pandorata. Can you describe it? Cuz we're all looking at each other like, <laughs> "Ooh, that's awesome, but what's that?" <laughs> it's um 
Oh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous little plant, but it kind of, I want to say it's like in the polyneura family, even though I'm not like a huge polyneura fan, but it grows akin to that. And the leaf shape isn't as fishtail. It's kind of more like a mustache. Uh, it kind of looks like a sigillatus, kind of, without the splash to me when I'm looking at it. Yeah, you know, kind of. Yeah, and then the but the the leaf shape kind of like gets wider, then thinner, then mm-hmm. wider, and then and ends to a point. But um, oh, I'm seeing I'm like, seeing better options now on the internet of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. So then I have like um, different versions from different countries, but then also I'm sending one in our group chat right now. I have I just got this silver one. Uh, and then I also got a splashy one. I just, I'm kind of loving them all. Oh, those are cool. Like little and they just keep growing like that. I just love how there's so many, like, they're so collectible. Like you said, there's so many different, like, oh, like sub varieties. So even once you get past species, it's like, wow. Then there's just like all these different cultivated varieties and like slightly different, like just specimens with different, like phenotypes that are just they're different enough to like make you want to try them out in your own space. I don't know. That's kind of the way I feel. Part of me hates yeah. that about them because I'm like, I don't need any more Hoyas. <laughs> I have like, but you do. You do. I have like 12. <laughs> I get have 12 <laughs> nice ones. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them came from Christine. Are we sharing all of our favorites currently? You can, yeah. I'd like to hear what. Yeah. What's your favorite? I want to hear. Well, I play favorites with my Husqvarna variegata because it is. A monster in itself. But I think I just recently got a, I finally got my wish list, um, Clemenciorum. Clemenciorum, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And the leaf was 12 inches long. No. Yeah. It's huge. And it's putting out a new leaf, and I'm so excited. Mm. I had to grow that bad boy. Another 12 incher? Probably not, but hopefully. Big, big and veiny. Mm -hmm. 12 incher. I'm definitely. It's, it's, and then we can use the the term pubescent if it's fuzzy. Is yeah. that correct? Yes. So yeah. we can talk about. Never mind. We don't, we actually <laughs> do, you, do you want to say it? Big, <laughs> veiny, and pubescent. I, yes. Twelve inch. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, I was like thinking about the terminology we use to it's describe. Hot in here. It's seriously because it's my air conditioner can't keep up. Mm-hmm. But that's not because of the twelve inch thing. Trust me. <laughs> oh. Well, guess what we're doing over here? I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, What's your favorite Hoya right now, Kaylin? Um, you know, I gotta give a shout out to my Sunrise, but I think uh, it's gonna be my monster Polynura. Mm. Uh, the cat likes to put its teeth in it. If anyone saw my Instagram stories today, <laughs> fucking cats taking bites out of my Hoya. At least the cat's safe. Um, no, I <laughs> chopped up. I had Christina give me some cuttings. I grew into a plant, and Christine gave me more cuttings. And I was like, I'll put these cuttings in with this other plant. And then I never did. Then I had a two plants. So then I cut them all up and put them in one six-inch pot together, but I, like, shoved 100 cuttings in a single pot together. And then 100 is an exaggeration. It was probably, like, you know, 50. But it's growing, and it's a monster, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. In a, it's, in a, it's in a macrame, so I have to, like, lift it up to get it out. And it's just, oh, God, I love it, but oh, oh, yeah. I'm scared. Yeah, that's a process. That is always a process. Good thing is I have it in a, a nutrient stagnant wicking setup that Eve talks about so I can fill the reservoir up and let it sit and then mm. it takes a while to dry out so I don't actually have to water it that often. I think, the, I think the polyneura is one of the first Hoyas that I it was started propagating in large quantities 
like to trade oh, with people went, and sell. With, it went crazy uh, about a year ago yeah, or something. Because I got I got cuttings from some dude. I can't even remember where my original polyneura came. Isn't that weird when you get to a certain point where you've got so many plants where you are forgetting like the origins of? You're like I don't remember. Does that happen to you guys? Not really. No. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I can't remember I, what I, I did this weekend, a, but I can remember where all my plants came from. We aren't growing on your scale right. yet, though, so that might be why. I started a spreadsheet so I could have a column to just said who it came from, like if their Instagram handle or or oh. a, a nursery. Yeah, that's really smart because I I think that I got that polyneura long enough ago now that it's like, dang, it was probably my friend James because I got most of my initial Hoyas from him because he just had this insane collection when, around the time when I was starting to get into plants. Um, but yeah, that's one of the I ones. Miss, I miss James. Is he still doing plants? Yeah, he's got, I mean, we still hang out, but he's got, I know he's still got a little collection of plants um, and he's been growing. He's been growing. Like he still does the growing okay. stuff, okay. but he just doesn't do the like social media quite as much with, yeah. with the plants. But um he is responsible for giving me a bunch of really beautiful plants and we did some trading and he kind of got me into the genus. So he's definitely my gateway into the Hoya genus. And because in the beginning I was like, mm, kind of a denier and they were so trendy that I was like, mm, I'm going to be like iconoclastic and just grow like different, like just like pipers and peperomias and different things. Jerry Pink Aglaonemus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> So, but no, I think, yeah, but I love my polyneura. And one of them got this crazy silver splash. Mm -hmm. Like some of the propagations that I've done have gone like really silver, which was kind of exciting because it wasn't like, it wasn't technically like the broquette or whatever the one is that is supposed to be splashy. Fun fact, mm -hmm. that is just a, the Finnish word for splash. Yeah. So it literally is just a polyneura splash. Polyneura splash. Okay. Well, in any case, I think my favorite Hoya at the moment is the Vitellinoides. Vitellinoides. Ah. Mostly because it's just cooperating so hard. Like it's just everywhere that I, I'm just, I just propagated the mother plant, and like all the propagations are in different parts of my growing spaces, and they're all just taking off. See, and the Vitellinoides is on me. my shit list right now. Because <laughs> oh. it wasn't growing for me, and then I gave it to Mackie, and he was like, oh, yeah, Kaylin, it's growing so fast. I'm like, fuck <laughs> off, stupid plant. <laughs> Why do they do oh, that to the, me? The cuttings that Mackie gave me are just, like, popping off. Of the India? Or the plant, yeah. I do like I cut it too. down to cuttings, but, yeah, gorgeous. Wait, I'd never seen India. that one before. Yeah, that was a fun one. Did you guys all get this except for me? What? I will take cuttings for you. Jeez. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Adam. Build See, a bridge. Get over it. <laughs> the new leaves come in black. Even Adam's what? got the plant. He's growing. Which? What? Yeah. This me. This but India? Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't even know what it looks like, but now I want it because all of you See, have it. You know, if Adam paid attention, <laughs> he would have seen it in the Discord and he could have probably got some, but he doesn't I'm log on to I'm trying to pay more attention to the Discord. You have been putting in a valiant effort. <sighs> Thank you, days. Christine. Fifth place. Fifth yes. place. Okay. So I guess to understand maybe why Kaylin's Vitellinoides isn't cooperating. Wasn't. I don't own it anymore. Okay. Wasn't cooperating. Maybe we can talk about like what can under what conditions and like what environments and where do hoyas natively grow do you know that's a the, very the wide sorry yeah. i keep phrasing no. my questions like crazy but no like where do hoyas endemically grow <laughs> everywhere 
not, I mean, I shouldn't say everywhere, Except but. Except for the United States, which yeah. I wish we had an endemic Hoya. We have that would a be milkweed. Fun. We have the milkweed plant. Yes. Uh, the flower's so similar. Yeah. And, and it's in the same family. It's like a Asclepioidea Asclepioidae or something like that. That's the family of Hoya. And they share it because Asclepius is like all the different kinds of milkweed. Um, yeah. So they, they grow everywhere except for North America? I mean, mostly I would say the majority of them are focused in like the Southeast Asia area. But you do have some um, that grow in Australia and then like the serpents that grow in the Himalayas. Are there any that grow in Mexico or, or South America? Else? And what about the Amazon? I didn't like we didn't. No one mentioned Hoyas mm. when I was in the rainforest and saw a lot of orchids, but I didn't see Hoyas. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, if you think about like if if you're if you subscribe to the f- the fact that like all of these masses of Earth were like together at one point. Right. It would make sense that you would find them in Australia because it's very close to like Borneo, mm-hmm. Australia, because right. um, I looked that up and I was like, wow, I didn't realize it was close. But, yeah, there Australia has quite a few of like um, endemic species of Hoya, which is pretty neat. Really? Mm-hmm. Like the well, Australis. that's Australis came from. Oh. I like the Australis. <laughs> uh, okay, so 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 like Borneo for sure, Southeast Asia, Himalayas, Indonesia, Indonesia, Thailand. Okay, so and there are they all epiphytic? Are all hoyas epiphytic, or are there like terrestrial hoyas? The, it, there's few, but there are terrestrial hoyas, and then lithophytic, which is mo- mainly on like um, rock. Okay. And then epiphytic for the, the trees, but I would I would say it, the the genus is mostly made up of epiphyte, epiphytic and lithophytic, with just very few terrestrial. But there are some. Oh, so would those be different? Would those be like shrubs, <laughs> or like would they be like would they be standing? Well, would they be able to stand on their own without a trellis or something to climb? Yeah, like um, the... well, like the multiflora. I feel like I would consider the multiflora uh, terrestrial, maybe. Yeah, and the, when I had an Iris Marie, that thing was like almost three feet long and standing up by itself. Whoa. Yeah, it, yeah. Wouldn't, it didn't want to drape at all. It just kept going. <laughs> uh, okay. I forgot I had that one. That's kind of cool. I was like, Jane has it now. Yep. Because yeah. it's, I kind of think of them, and they're very closely related to like Dyscidia and um, the the String of Hearts, like the Seropegia, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Um, but yeah, I didn't. It, I'd be interested to try one of the ones that's not so much a an epiphyte, just to see, just to try out the different, just get the variety in there. Yeah, I'm not sure if I I have the multiflora. I don't know what other like fully terrestrial ones I have ever grown. I feel like because multiflora, the flowers are really pretty, but they do just look like green foliage. Mm. As far as the actual plant itself, it's very just your normal garden variety green. Not to like diss on it too hard because I know a lot of people are really into those. I'm just not a big fan. Yeah, I have that outer variegated one, so I, that that oh. makes it a little more like <laughs> a little more fancy, desirable. Yeah. But yeah, are you an outer variegation or an inner variegation, Batty? Either or. I don't really. I'm not super particular, but I'm also not like I have to have everything variegated either. Right. I mean, I I think the mutation I prefer over anything is splash. Right. I would have to agree with that sentiment. Uh, then they come, you can find them that are both variegated and splashed, right? Like, don't mm-hmm. you have an obar? Yeah. Like, don't you have some kind of crazy, like, variegated, splashy, largely hoya? Well, and I think the new craze right now is the silver slash ghosts that they keep, that they're, like, mm-hmm. making. So, like, there's a variegated, compacted ghost 
right now or is it called silver but it's basically oh, i saw a picture of that your variegated compacta but then it's got super silvery on the green or actually it's all over it really but yeah i have a clone of inner variegated obavada that's like beautifully variegated but also very splashy and i it's one of my favorites yeah i definitely remember seeing photos of that and being like what i didn't know that existed but that's awesome i just like hoyas that grow <laughs> that's my big thing <laughs> if it grows it stays <laughs> funny how big of a difference that can make like <laughs> it really does make a difference in terms of like what plant am i really what plant is my favorite right now it's like it's the one that's just cooperating and growing mm -hmm. and not just right. being contrary all the time um, yeah i want to are there like ways that boys can be cat broken down into different categories like is it just large leaf and small leaf is that like the main way to to break them apart if you're just discussing them well you have like there's 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 a bunch of different families within like the apothnaceae family for hoya like and i don't even know if i'm saying that right because honestly like i'm just a nerd who likes to dive into things but i'm not <laughs> that smart but like you have acanthostemmas areostemma uh, so there's like different families within the whole genus Whoa. like i think Acanthostemma would be like your Hushkiliana, which is why, like, for some reason, my nose doesn't smell Acanthostemma type Hoya flowers. Like, I don't, my Weird. Hushkiliana blooms and I don't smell it, but my uh, partner can smell it. Like, it's very strong. <laughs> well, That's people crazy. say it smells like butterscotch, and mm -hmm. I really don't love butterscotch. So maybe oh. my, my nose is like protecting me. You're <laughs> <laughs> just blocking um, it out. Yeah. It's okay. My Hoya Hoskoliana hasn't var variegated, hasn't bloomed yet. I haven't okay, smelled well, it either. Once it gets there, it will. It'll go. Yeah. Mine hasn't stopped. It started four or five months ago and it's just been constantly blooming since. Yikes. Okay. So, Christine, do you mostly grow in soil? Nope. I'm Lekka. You're Lekka. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about you, Kaylin? I have half and half soil Lekka. And then I guess okay. my Hoskoliana and my Croniana, Super Silver from Adam, those are the two I haven't bought. Oh, I didn't even know you okay. had any in pawn. Yeah, I put the Huskaliana cuttings from Christine in there. I have like 15 cuttings and only four of them are growing. And then I have the, the props from you from last time we saw each other. Put those in pawn. Cool. Cool. Yeah, but so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the different, like all of the different uh, groupings of, of Hoya, but I know there's there's definitely like, they group them into smaller little families. Yeah. I know when I'm talking Hoya and we brought this up at the propagation, like, I just kind of break it down into the woody versus the fleshy Hoyas because that's really, I think just that alone makes them two very distinct groups when talking because they act very similar in that regard. Mm -hmm. Do the, so not all Hoyas can become like woody, get woody stems after they age? I know because like if you think of like your Bellas, oh. um, that well, I know my of, Bella, I guess. My older stems of Bellas do kind of turn woody and same with Polyneura. Right, my Polyneuras have started to grow a little more woody. Yeah, I guess I've never. It's not constant. I've never yeah. even thought of categorizing them that way. But I would think the woody ones could probably stand taller on their own than the just fleshy varieties. Yeah, I would almost say it's the other way around because they like polyneuras and your bells and stuff. They don't like to trellis. They would rather just hang. Yeah. Um, at least from my, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, like you can't really trellising on like an obavada also is a pain in the butt because you have to get to it right away or else it's going to harden off and you can't. Oh, it sounds like my Amidrium um, from Adam. <laughs> but she, like she's talking to me. Yeah, but like my polyneura, yeah. I would never try and trellis <laughs> it because it wants to just hang and do its thing. Okay. 
Also, I just don't love the look of those ones trellis. Mm. Like I've seen them and I'm like, eh, why? They look like they're struggling. There. Yeah. It's really interesting. I never, yeah, I would never even have thought to trellis my polyneuro, but I I don't want to. Right. It looks great the way it's happy. <laughs> just trailing. Yeah. I love a trailing plant. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can kind of pivot into discussing like some of the best growing conditions in terms of we already sort of touched on substrate but beyond that like humidity and light conditions etc or fertilizer Mm -hmm. you know it's it's weird because like my collection is like you hang in gen pop you hang in like ambient humidity (laughs) or you're not gonna be here like I, I don't want to like have tents, not that I'm against them, but I just don't want to have tents in my living room and in that kind of stuff. Although I do have tents because my friend Lydia and I have a Hoya business. So like mm-hmm. we, we do grow in tents. Um, but usually I think the first step, the, the easiest thing to do is like, I know it's kind of boring and super nerdy, but to find the publication of the Hoya and find where like it's endemic or where, where they if they have locality information that really tells you a lot about like the conditions that it would like, like obviously if it's higher elevation, it gets colder at night. That's kind of a cool growing Hoya, um, like the polyneuras and that kind of stuff. Like they don't want to be blasted with light at all. I mean, they can and they'll handle it, but if you want it to be as happy North window and it'll be happy. Would you say that those like high elevation types that grow in colder conditions, do you, would you say those are overall trickier to grow in like household in your house like just in ambient no i mean not for me not that i've noticed i think that once you finally give them uh an environment that they would prefer they really tend to like start just popping off you know they don't want to be blasted with with bright light like you don't want to put them under your grow lights all day long that you would do like with ganon godding or any of those other ones um I, I, like it's escaping me thinking of another col- a cool growing Hoya, but Polyneuro was the one that was, yeah, serpents. You're right. So I do have mine in a cabinet and it's doing just fine. But people seem to think that rooting those are hard, uh, serpents at least, because they don't like mm-hmm. to root in water. They don't like moss is kind of like the only way to go with them. Um, See, I hate moss, but also pinning them down like in a circle, like you would like a string of hearts is like the right. best way I think to root them. Do you just pin them right into uh pond like mm-hmm. just you just take raw cuttings and you just pin them down in pond substrate yeah and then i would just keep them in like a box until they root it in just to make sure the humidity stayed high oh okay. i got i think i got mine in a paper or not paper uh ziploc bag situation i just left it yeah. and let it root that way with the paper towel i used mm-hmm. to i used to always propagate hoyas in like a chunk like sphagnum moss slash perlite slash orchid bark with humidity in the little box. But then I realized like I was enjoying growing them in LECA. So I switched to just doing it in perlite because it was, I could just, I didn't have to remove the moss from the roots, which is a total nightmare. And now I've been doing a combination of directly into water and then to soil. And then in other cases, I'll just put it directly in like perlite and cocoa cocoa choir in my grow tent, mm-hmm. just in really high humidity. And that is almost like just in tiny little pots of cocoa choir, basically. And that just, they start growing so fast in, the, in those conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I, but the majority of the time Hoya would like a little humidity, although like I live in Arizona 
And right now, the humidity on my hydrometer, I don't even know if I'm saying that word right, but hygrometer. whatever that meter, it's hygrometer. Got a G in it, yeah. Why do I feel like it's a D? Hydro would be That's water. like one of those. I guess. Well, it is technically evaluating the water in the air. And Weird. The hydrometer, hygrometer. I don't know. It's uh, but it's like like ten percent, fifteen percent, like right now. You know, that's what I get. Um, And is that high for you? Well, I would say it it gets a lot higher than the winter here. Mm. Um, But that's at the lowest it would be. Like that's the driest is obviously going to be summer here, and they're fine. They like bright light, but I just kind of do this thing where I have a hoya, even if it doesn't. It grows a few leaves and maybe they look a little chlorotic or the leaves are kind of coming out a lot smaller. I realize, okay, well, that doesn't like bright light. So mm-hmm. I move it either to be shaded under a bigger one or out from under the grow light um, into a different spot. Like my bedroom is really like where I put all the cool grow. So if things get chlorotic out in the gen pop in the living room, I just move it to the bedroom. And you have grow lights in both of those places or are you growing like... Just in window light in one of them or? Yeah, my bedroom is mostly window light and it's it's a north window, but it's a little different here in Arizona than it was when I was living in Illinois. Like the north window actually gets a lot of light, but that's also because the sun is probably out a lot more here. Sure. And the days um, are probably a little bit longer all year. Yeah, because so. you don't have daylight saving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't believe in saving. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, but then out like in my living room where the majority of my Hoya are, it's just full on grow lights. There are windows there, but like the one window I have is like full of my high constellation. Jinx. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, and then the other window that I used to have a bunch of my Hoya in was an east window and they love it there, but that's where uh, my partner wants to put the tiki bar. So I needed to find a place for them all to go. That is an acceptable compromise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... So yeah, grow lights mostly for me. Okay. Yeah, I guess I've had a pretty good experience with both under grow lights and in natural natural light. Uh, for your grow lights, how many like foot candles are they getting for how many hours a day? You know, I have my light meter, but I haven't ever checked the foot candles <gasps> on those. Just, um, but my grow lights come on at 10 a.m. and they go off at 9 p.m. Okay, that's so. like that's a little shorter than. What we do. Yeah. Yeah, we're monsters over here. Um, how many inches I underneath do, your lights do you have the Hoyas? Wow. Um, well, I have the, those Ikea shelves, uh, the Vitsu. I don't know. That, so is it it about seems like, like everyone kind of got between, those. One foot between shelves? Yeah, I think it, that's exactly it. And then I have a couple of adjustable shelves that have trellises, that uh, tall trellis Hoyas. So those maybe would be like two or three feet away. But And then are you using Barinas? Um... Yeah, I think that's a brand. I didn't use, I think that they're all kind of just made in the same factory, but I had Monios (laughs) ones and then I got Barina ones. So I kind of have a mix of both. I think the Monios is the ones I got the quote unquote off brand Barinos. Um, How many lights do you have per shelf? Caitlin. (laughs) Uh, I'm curious because I have problems with Hoyas. No, I I just have one light per shelf. What? (laughs) (sighs) Okay. I, I try to give my Hoyas super, super, the ones that are in my little cabinet, I'm like, I'm going to give you super amounts of light. And then they just like, meh. But then like, ugh, try to give when them less light. When you say meh, and they, don't they, don't, grow at all. they don't grow? No, it's the problem. With my, so my main problem with Hoyas, sorry, everybody. Um, when I go to prop them, they're just like, 
eh, I'll root, but I'm never going to start growing. And I'm like, come on. And like Christine's like, they grow so fast. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> but they do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong. Because like I have, you know, my 10 Hoyas that are doing really well that I've figured out at this point or like, you know, held on to long enough for them to actually start growing and like no problems with those. But there's just like my Rosita in my cabinet is just not doing anything. Although, you know, now it is actually, it's actually what doing something. humidity is it at? Mm, so when they're in the cabinet, it fluctuates between like... 55 to 75 depending on how watered stuff is i would consider pulling it out well now it's finally actually starting to grow so i don't want to move it that's fair mine's just in regular humid but like you remember when i was like christine help i'm killing my matilda and uh what's the other one the polyneuro i was trying to root him and then i was about to go on a work trip and i was like ah they're gonna die when i come home and like oh and your serpents you cooked your serpents yeah so i'm just like that just i prop everything else i'm scared to prop hoyas i don't touch those fuckers (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that, that makes me sad because I feel like they're, and I, not to be like, ha ha, but I feel like they're so easy to prop. But. I'm in the same boat. So I know, our, and people tell me that, and I'm just like, what is wrong with me? Like, our rule now is I, I have to give Kaylin's established plans. I cut my elbow up, 15 nodes, not rot, I didn't rot a single fucking one, but you give me a Hoya, and I'm just like freaking out. Did, have you <laughs> have you done the like just put it in a in like a takeout takeout container? I've been able to like I'm I'm getting better, but I still have that fear that I'm going to just murder all of them. I do know the feeling of like I managed to root a hoya and then I put it into a substrate and it never sprouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that with a few of my Snow Queen cuttings, um, like in the fall, and I had they were like single node cuttings and they're rooted and happy and they're like those they're like those carry eye hearts that you can buy you mm. know where it's just like a single leaf in a in a pot and it just it could maybe someday grow but it usually never does seeing like i had a serpents i rooted the cuttings just fine no big deal had a little plant i was like i'm gonna cut this up and make a fuller plant and then everything died <laughs> so like i did it once why can't i do it twice what did i do <laughs> Serpents is tricky though, so don't don't beat yourself up over the serpents. Right. Okay. Finally, Jake. I'm like terrified more. to try and prop mine. Yeah, I don't. I, I am too. Like I have mine in like this little glass wardian case, <laughs> and it just lives in there for the rest of its life. I will never. I will never move it. Hey, wardian case. That was one of our plant trivia. That was questions. one of our plant trivia questions. <laughs> what are the original terrariums called? Wardian and, case. And no, yeah. and I didn't know. Nobody knew. I knew. Well, you were reading the. I wrote the trivia, so. <laughs> Uh, but, but good to know I you did have a, one barina per shelf. That makes me yeah. only sad because I have six barinas in my three foot wide shelf, and I'm just like, it's not enough, but it is enough. But it's not enough. Oh yeah, pl- it w- one would be plenty, but you know, do do whatever. I and I think mine are T five, so they're even. They're not T eights. No, I have T fives, and I give everyone shit for using one per shelf. Oh wow! <laughs> I really do, you guys. I'm just a hard ass. Yeah. So do you think, Adam, do you think there's a, like, do, do you use different methods when it comes to propping? Like, the serpents is a, is a pretty small leaf variety and, like, usually more fleshy stems. And do you have, like, you said you did the, like, clip, uh, pin them into the substrate for those? Yeah, like on the top. Mm-hmm. And so you you have, like, different prop methods for those smaller leaf versus like larger woodier varieties um no not usually like the serpents is is one of those just tricky ones and i don't really prop that a lot but you know april mall from unsolicited plant talks also talks about like that's her favorite way to root serpents and 
she would be the one that would know. Uh, so I've tried it and it did work really well, but for the most part, the rest of them, regardless of like leaf size, it, I kind of do the same, the same method, just like either I stick it directly into pond or I prop it in a mix of cocoa choir and perlite, oh. um, until I see roots like in little clear cups and then I'll move it over into pond because that mix is really easy to wash off the roots. Like right. basically just a spray of water and it's gone. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, that's kind of, I've really been enjoying the cocoa choir propagating lately too, just because it feels cleaner somehow than like a, a peat-based substrate. And I also know that it does have applications in, in hydroponics as well. Like there are, you can use cocoa choir to a certain mm -hmm. extent to simply in just like a hydroponic uh, system. Yeah, I think like those, act, like the flood and drain kind of things. And I mean, it's the same kind of thing as rock wool that's used in hydroponics too. So sure. Like it's, it's, it's organic, but it's just, it's like simple enough to, to mm -hmm. be able to work with that. But, um, okay. Yeah. So that, that's just a good, I just was curious about that because I definitely have had more trouble, particularly in the past, propagating boys that have tiny leaves, like a curtisii or a, or serpents, or I don't know, my, my croniana, like the little croniana that I got. It took me a few tries, and I had some rot going on there. Or like when I tried to switch it from the prop box into the soil, it just failed. Or the hushkiliana variegata, that kind of happened for a really long time. And then the last one that was like barely alive finally sprouted. Dang. That one I will say was a humidity thing, though. That thing needed humidity. That's where I've had all my luck with the, the Husqvarnas right, okay. and humidity. Yeah, I mean, like my go-to is like those little, like I said, those little clear cups. Fill them with a that mix and just put them in like a. a I have frosted Tupperware, uh, but like I just keep them in a bin for like the first three weeks of their life, <laughs> and then it just it's like you already pull it out and there's new growth, like new vines and roots everywhere. So. And they just are fine that way. So I really think the humidity does help jumpstart all the props. You're like blowing Kaylin's mind. Yeah, I'm just sitting over here like, God damn it. Well, are you like, is it 100% humidity or do you have it cracked so it's like 80% humidity? Um, well, sometimes I'll come in like, because some of this is for the business now. Um, but sometimes I'll come in and if it's a little excess water built up, I'll crack the lid a little bit. But yeah, I'm going to... Well, I can send you guys stuff if you want to post it to Instagram, but I'm sending you guys a little thing and now while we're talking where you can just see. Um, like a, like of your propagation setup or? Yeah, because I'm recording in my prop room. Ah. <laughs> so I'm like sitting by them all. Um, but yeah, it's just like you stick them in these bins and I got a target and boom. And I think it's especially awesome when you do in the tiny pots because then they're just like all they're all ready to go and you can sell them, you can trade them. They're just like all you know, contained and yeah. Yeah. And easy to ship too. Cause in tiny pots, it's not like you're dealing with a ton of substrate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those Hoya heads go crazy for those tiny pots. Mm -hmm. The, the, the Every, everyone's like, everyone's like, where do you find them? And I'm like, well, any liquor store <laughs> for jello shots or I was say like jello shots or I bought Amazon, <laughs> I bought a 500 pack of pudding cups and that's what I was propagating with forever. And, and I keep the ones Christine gives me so that I can reuse them. <laughs> 
And then like in the <laughs> National Hoya group I'm in right now, people were going nuts for these yogurt uh, jars. The glass ones? The, the wee jars? Yep. The, are they glass or they're ceramic? The, oh, either they're way. Glass. They're going they're glass. crazy for them. Mm. Like That's so funny because that was like when I started back in 2019, 2020, like the wee jars was what I would always use. And that was like a, there was a fad of that then too. Yeah. And now it seems like it resurged. Are those yogurts like $2 a piece? They're expensive. Yeah. I was not doing the grocery shopping during the pandemic. And I was like, Brandon, get me some of these. And he did. And then I was in the grocery store the other day. I was like, I kind of want some more of these. And I was like, $2. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? It's so like you yogurt. You just have a little cash pot at the same time. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm I not really down with buying $2. $2 fancy yogurt that's only this big. <laughs> yeah. But also just like, do I want to pay $2 for every single Hoya propagation? Right. I mean, oh, for some people, for some people that might be reasonable. I want to do a lot of Hoya propagations, <laughs> um, but I haven't bought any plastic cups. I get like, I work at a nursery, so we always like have tons of recycled plastic pots of all different sizes. So mm-hmm. I've just been using like two inch plastic pots and those work. Yeah. Um, but I just noticed that Adam and I are matching. We're both wearing black t-shirts and green shorts. Are you wearing green shorts? And she's talking about t-shirt. me again for the listeners. <laughs> Adam, Adam, not dude. I can't see you. I have no idea what you're wearing. You could be wearing nothing and I wouldn't know. Ooh, uh, ding, ding, ding. I am <laughs> Wow. <completely new>. <laughs> <laughs> We're joking. We can see you. I mean, that's the magic of podcast. The magic of podcast. I know. It's like work from home. Like, what are pants? I don't right. know. I haven't put them on in a while. I totally resonated when you were like earlier, like, we're not filming, are we? Like, it's not going to be recorded because I... Because you would have had to go put on clothes. You would have had to put on clothes. You would have had to, you would have had to like, mastermind your hair, your curls. Yeah. And, um, but oh. I was also like, I'm really glad we're not recording because we're going to be in my house and there's kind of... I had I to put my clothes I don't want to have to <laughs> clean my... <laughs> as far as, yeah, like, I will say that... I'm wearing clothes, but um, I do have a bunch of guests over. Yeah, there's four of us in this room. I really hope you're wearing clothes. Uh, Sidetrack. Adam, you with your curly hair, do you follow the curly girl method? Um, I think to an extent, but, you know, that's just like uh, I went to a curl expert to get my hair cut for them to teach me because it's just really difficult to figure out, like, curly hair. But, do you, so now do you switch between moisture and protein? No, oh like she God. was basically, she, I was like on, I did Olaplex cause I just walked, I'm sorry, this is like a sidebar and you can cut this all out or keep it in <laughs> whatever you feel We're like. keeping it. <laughs> we need to, but, we need to educate the curly haired people out there. This is a PSA, I everybody. This, I just went into like a, I think it was probably like a Sephora or an Ulta and I was like, look, I need help. And the person that I talked to <laughs> had curly hair, but they basically were like, buy all this Olaplex stuff. So like $300 later, I'm like, Ooh. I had like eight products and it was stressing me out. And I went to this consultation at this curly salon, which I, I think they do the curly girl method in there. Um, Diva curl products. And Diva she was like, you don't curly need girl approved. It's weird. Anyway, okay. go on, go on. That's a sidetrack again. But, but she kind of showed me how to wash my hair and how I not to use shampoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how to use conditioner, but in a way that like smooths out my hair in chunks, but also like, presses water into it because she was like your hair doesn't get hydrated from products water is the only thing that can hydrate your hair so like products trap the water in anyway it's working out well because my curls hold beautifully when i do wash my hair so but i don't know if it's technically curly girl are you avoiding silicones and sulfates yeah okay i i like don't have that curly of hair but i kind of want to go to a 
cur- hair. It's cur- no poo. curly no hair poo? expert. Oh, that's me. That's okay. I can help you with this. Okay, so we're gonna start no. another podcast, and about it's just gonna hair. be about <laughs> curly hair, so that I can make my wavy hair. I can't be on that hair. one then. Well, you could. Christine's got straight hair. You can. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Adam, we should connect uh, outside of the uh, live podcast recording. <laughs> and we can talk about a curly hair because I have some tips, tip, tips and tricks. And the best part is all the products are like you know cheap, under fifteen dollars. Okay, that's what I need. And plus, I feel like Olaplex was literally making my hair fall out. Oh they actually God. have some lawsuits against them. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. So then when I was like, oh, I feel like I'm losing a lot of hair. And yeah, I didn't know if it's just because this is the first time my hair has been long, if this is what girls always or people with long hair always suffer through. But then I Googled it and then I saw those lawsuits and I was like, oh, <laughs> God. Shit. I feel like that's just a straight up thing, too. Like People get swindled into buying like expensive cosmetics. Mm-hmm. And then because like I'd really... This is a total tangent, but like the same thing happened to me with skincare. Like back in like five, ten years ago, I was like trying all these different things and spending too much money. And and then I like simplified everything and it helped. It got a lot better. Yeah. Um, wow. wow. For anyone uh, watching who doesn't know what I look like, I have butt length. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just stop right there. You should have seen the blank look on my face. I was going to say floor length right after I said butt length. length, But like I don't have floor length. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Okay, no, but like for real, for real, is there a photo on your plant page? Because (laughs) No, I don't post. Go look at her Shrek cosplay. (laughs) We're going to post a photo of Kaylin's butt length. Uh, <laughs> in floor the Discord. Hair. I was also trying to think of what the word for brown hair was. Brown? I have brown hair. <laughs> right. Is there guys. any way we can like tie this back to Hoya's? Like, do you, like, is there any crossover between your hair care and your Hoya care? You know, my hair, well, here, it looks better when it's uh, trailing versus when it's up in a trellis. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Okay, I just found the photo, the Shrek photo. There you go. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm feeling confused. <laughs> yes, that's exactly I'm what it's supposed conflicted. to do. Uh, for anyone who did not go back and search my Instagram, I have a sexy Shrek cosplay, and it is designed to make you feel very conflicted. <laughs> There's lots of boobs, but I'm also Shrek, so have fun with that. <sighs> That'll do, donkey. That'll do. <laughs> go dry my eyes now um <laughs> i mean i kind of am interested in this idea of trellising your hair we should do that <laughs> do you have a trellis downstairs we can get oh, some yeah. of those little hair clips mm-hmm. aka orchid clips that could be like a, a, a what's the word costume at a it'll be my party. headdress for my yeah. formal wear for our halloween plant ball i don't know okay <laughs> so when we are trellising hoyas is there like oh is there a certain time adam when you will decide to trellis versus not trellis certain hoyas yeah i think most of the time my my litmus test on that is the size of the leaf so like if there's a smaller leafed hoya uh matilde serpents lacanosas like i don't usually trellis those unless i want to keep it tidy if i want to keep the area tidy mm-hmm. um but that's just my personal thing like I do have a Matilde trellis, which it looks gorgeous, and I love it. And I have one not trellised, 
Uh, so I could go either way, but usually I think that the good rule of thumbs is like, if your Hoya is a smaller leaved, it would be okay not trellising, but use your own judgment sure. or what, your style. Have you found that when you are trellising, like if you're trellising and the Hoya reaches the top of the trellis and you kind of like bend the, bend the, um, tendril and kind of tuck it back underneath. Do you We're find called that a vine, but yes, they're called a vine. <laughs> You bend yes. the vine, thank you, <laughs> back. Do you find that that vine sometimes, like, stops and it's, and then it, like, back buds? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I try, I try to, me personally, either, like, attach it to my shelf so it grows a little bit longer to where when I twist it around, the growth tip is pointing back up. up. Yeah, because they say you should, shouldn't should stick them back down. They don't like to grow downwards. <laughs> It would, yeah, it would probably just kill off that vine. Yep. Most, most of the reason why you see like Hoya vines grow and like not put out leaves because it's looking for support. It's not going to put out a leaf that will make it basically unalive itself, like Break. snap it off. Yeah. Right. yeah. I think that holds true. It, yeah. Go ahead. It's a very tricky, like it's a tricky dance with those, with trellising. I, I mean, yeah. it's worth it, but yeah, you just got to make sure your growth tip is always pointing up because that's, it's, it's a much like aeroids and that kind of stuff. Like, that's if if that growth tip points down, it's going to release apical dominance. It's going to take away the hormones from the growth tip and be like, well, we don't have a growth tip, so let's start a new one. And Just it's always going to want to go up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the same so like you. Same thing happens. Oh, sorry. With, sorry, the same thing. I just want to say the same thing totally happens with vining aeroids. Like, mm -hmm. um, if you mm -hmm. if you're growing like a a pinnatum or you're growing a plant like that doesn't have fenestrations and you're trying to make it produce fenestrations, if you are doing the thing where you're like curling it back around when it reaches the top of the but like vines like pole, that don't bend. Some of them they're not supposed to, but they do like mm. they've seen it. I've I just seen it yeah, for me it's like they go up and they can't go down. It just like cancels some the it cancels something in the plant. They're like, nope. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you guys have probably seen that with like the Hoya that you grow, like the polyneura, if you don't have a trellis. The second that started growing, like if you just had a two leaf cutting and it kind of dipped below the pot, it probably was like shooting out another vine. And that's same thing with like lacanosa. So as soon as that starts dipping below, like gravitropism, like I know the, the weird words, but like it releases the dominance and like, it tells it to put on another vine and it'll just keep doing that. So, so if we want it to branch and yeah. be thicker. That's so cool. Because, yeah. yeah. Cause then we can get like, that's, that's one thing that makes total sense because what makes Hoyas awesome as trailers, some of them is that exact fact because a lot of philodendrons, when they start trailing down or pothos, they get bald on the mm -hmm. top. But with a lot of the Hoyas, when they start trailing, it like triggers branching at the top. So you get like a fuller, Mm -hmm. Yeah, because because it'll put off a new growth at like the the node right before the bend is dipping below you know the soil or where the roots would be. Mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. See, yeah, that's cool. how cool Hoya are. Cool. <laughs> Gonna make a believer out of me yet. Um, well, everybody, we are going to cut this episode off and return next week for part two since we are at our prescribed time limit. So. So thank, thank you, you to all of you for tuning in. And thank you, Adam, not dude. Yes. Thank you, Adam, Planet Terracotta Warrior. <laughs> and yeah, and we will definitely finish this amazing conversation and we'll catch you in the next episode. Yeah, see you next week. Stay rough. Bye-bye.
Are you still available, Adam, to keep talking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, that, that was. I didn't know if I should say bye to. They like, just sprung bye. that on me. I didn't know what was happening. Adam, I made hand signals. You made was... hand signals that were totally not clear of what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay, we're, keep, we're keeping sorry, you for sorry. another hour, Adam. 